Ariel, what are we talking about today? We are talking about something that could be super taboo in the community, but something that should not be taboo. We're talking about- You ready to go? Let's go. <laughs> the Living List is about going outside of the box. It's a movement. It's a hashtag. It's us and you executing all those things we always said we wanted to do. Ariel Dante. And I am Brittany Sierra, and this is The Living List. Welcome back to The Living List. If you've been here before, you know, this is the conversation that we have where we just encourage you out there to stay accountable and go after our goals. And if you haven't been here before, you're in for a treat. And we have our first special guest for the season, Dr. Perlin Men, which we're super excited about. Um, so we are just talking about all things, you know, of course, we're going to slip in some dating because you can't make babies, unfortunately, without uh, a little bit of dating or maybe you can, but you can actually. Okay. So we'll get into all <laughs> that. So, um, but before we jump in, I, I just, uh, we haven't been here in a while. How are we doing? How are we doing? Um, let's, let's talk about our week. How was your week? What did you do? So my week was pretty good. Um, I've been at my parents for about a week and a half. I came down here. It's almost like a fat camp, honestly. <laughs> I came down here. My parents decided they want to lose weight. I'm like, I want to lose weight. It's the holidays. We're like, all right, well, we're going to do this diet together. So we're doing a little like diet together. Um, you'll learn in the episode, there's a specific reason why right now I want to lose weight. Um, and so we've been really uh, just kind of rocking out. It hasn't been easy because this diet is a little bit tough, um, but I'm definitely getting used to um, being in my parents' house again. But I've been having a good time. I mean, they've been spoiling me. They must have missed me. I've gone uh, shopping. I've got I've gotten so many free pickups, honestly. So <laughs> I love not having to pay for it. my stuff right now. I'm like, maybe I should move back in. Um, this is my old room, actually, guys. It didn't look like this when I lived here, um, but kind of like the little borders here. So welcome to my childhood room. Um, different furniture. So yeah, I've been I've been good. I've been Rocking out. How about you? How's your week been going? It's been good. There's nothing like going back home and being like a guest where your parents are still excited to see you and they do everything for you and you don't have to cook. I was at my mom's house this week too. So I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to do anything really. All I had to do was lay there. My mother brought me blankets and socks oh and slippers. And you know, it's been a good week. And I just got back from Mexico. I am a little exhausted but in like a good way like I wasn't I don't know something about traveling on a short trip I don't need another vacation from the vacation when I come back mm -hmm. like I feel like I'm I'm ready to go um so that that's been great Mexico was amazing it made me want to consider taking a solo trip which I've never done mm -hmm. and so, it's Yes, it is on my living list. So I think I'm one step closer to that. I also, you know, I've just been thinking about the future in general. I just had a birthday, the new year's coming up, it's the holidays. So this conversation for me is right on time. You know, a little bit of dating here and there. So, you know, let's just say I'm excited for the future and to get into this, this living list uh, conversation today. But I think, before we do that, how do we want to kick off this episode? Do we want to do an I'm down challenge? Yes, we absolutely have to do an I'm down challenge. Okay, so you have your list all written out. 
But where is the plan? One, two, three. Pick a task at random. And we execute with intention. You down? I'm down. Okay. Um, first mammogram. Oh my gosh. You know what? My sister just said to me yesterday, you haven't gotten your mammogram yet. So mm-hmm. this is perfect. I do need to do it. My mother's been begging me to do it for years at this mm-hmm. point. Both of my grandmothers have breast cancer. So thank you. The list, the list will always give you what you need to do. So on those days and those weeks where you're feeling like you're not as focused, you always have your list. Just go ahead randomly every week, pick something and look what it gave me, something I needed to do. Let's see if it'll do the same thing for you, Ariel. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I have to make sure I don't cheat. Sorry. (laughs) Right. You're like, "Uh, what do I think you need in your life? In true Scorpio fashion. (laughs) Right. It says take an authentic cooking class in another country, which I really think you should do, but Mm -hmm. you may not be able to do that by next week. So I'm going to also pull another thing for you. Okay. But I did take one already. That's kind of checked off. Remember I took the cooking class in Spain? Yes. I wasn't sure if we talked about it though. Oh, I didn't. And if you wanted to do another cooking class in another country. Yes. Okay. But you can not cook when you go to another country. It's fine. We'll do something else. Okay. <laughs> you have the most crazy things on your list. You probably also will not be able to do this one by next week. So give me one more second. <laughs> what is um, it? Tell me. Meet the Obamas. Perfect. <laughs> I got to spread my list for, between like actual, I can do this in a weekly thing and long-term goals. Yes. Well, you know what came up, which also is really good because I know that you've been working on this. Um, Do a music video. Do you think you'll be ready to share it with us next week? Definitely not next week. Um, This keeps coming up on my list and it's seeming like the universe wants me to do it, but maybe I can do like another TikTok dance by next week. I actually just found one that I liked or I can write the treatment. So your choice. I need to write the treatment because I've been talking about this for a while, huh? It's your choice. It's your list. Okay. I trust it. All right. So I'm going to write the treatment for what I want to actually do. And then maybe um, try to find a dance class to prepare for this music video. Because I got to get moving. So that would be fun. I'm on the fitness journey. And I want to kind of like, you know, slim down. So fun fitness is always good. Um, I did a Zumba class the other day. And I felt like my ankles were rolling. Like, I just felt like I was about to fall apart. Like, it was so bad. I was like, I'm so out of shape. Corona really did a number on me. Like, I was like, I'm definitely like sedentary at this point. Like, I was literally in just in my office chair, just breaking down. So I think it's right on time for me to kind of get moving. You know, I've been, I have been doing really good with keeping my three times a week workouts. So I think this is, but dancing and working out is such a different thing because you have to like actually move quickly and move to the beat and all that. And it's not like you can't fake the beat out. Like you can't go slower than the beat. So you actually have to move quickly. And I'm like, I'm not used to moving my body this quick. So this is definitely good. So we'll do that. We'll do a dance class and music video treatment. 
I love it. I'm excited. I'm also like inspired. I was telling my friend Loren, I was like, this is my last time starting for the first time. I think that, you know, it's been a couple of months of me just enjoying life and living life, checking things off my living list, feeling like a more whole and complete person. And the thing that I feel like I'm missing is really focusing on my fitness, my health, my body. Like I checked everything else off my list. I'm gonna be honest. Like the big things I really checked off this year. And when we first started quarantine, I was focused, I was exercising, I was slimming down. And now, honey, I'm like, let me fat in peace. But it's not as peaceful as I thought it was going to be. So I'm ready <laughs> to, to, to switch it up, especially when we talk about this family planning journey, this future dating, the type of people we want to attract and who we need to be in order to live the life that we deserve to live. And I think that you know, just making sure that I am my best self in all ways is super important to fulfilling that destiny. And I feel like health and my body and fitness is that last piece for me. I think that would be a great episode for us to do, like going into the new year that um, I'm tired of starting the first time. Again, like the last time I'm starting the first time. I literally, we're on the same page today, honey. We usually on the same page, but the synergy is real. Like I was in the shower this morning and I literally was like, I'm tired of it being the first time. Like, what are we doing here? It's so frustrating to kind of keep like having to go up this big mountain. Um, and Brittany knows, but for those who don't know, like I like on a yearly basis will lose like 40 pounds and then gain it all back, like almost every year. <laughs> so it's like the most frustrating thing because you're just like, oh my goodness, here I am again. Like I got this uphill battle, duh, 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 but you know, that consistency, it just makes you feel better. So I'm excited for us to do this together, honestly, because we're literally on the same page with that. We have to do an episode on that because I think so many people could relate. Absolutely. You know, I'm down. I'm always down. Ariel asked me something I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Vice right. versa. I'm like, hey, you want to do something? Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to take you all on another journey with us um, as we get nice and fit and nice and healthy and continue to set ourselves up for the life that we deserve to be living. So I'm excited about that. And I think another way that we kind of are really focusing on setting ourselves up for the life that we should be living, that Ariel and I actually kind of wind up going on this journey very close and at the same time is family planning and what that looks like. Definitely. Um, you know, as we said in the intro, we have Dr. Perma here, here today or someday, but in the episode, we're going to fuse it in the magic production thing and make it look like today, but I'm definitely in a different place. <laughs> but we talked to him like maybe, um, I want to say like two weeks ago. And um, both Britt and I um, have talked about on our living list for those who've been listening for a long time about freezing our eggs. And it was kind of one of those, at first for me at least, like those pie in the sky ideas, like we're like, oh yeah, I want to do that one day. And then um, it's actually happening for both of us. Brittany did it. <laughs> so I'll, obviously she'll talk about that. Um, but let's kind of like, why? what made you kind of decide to even like, like how did we get here? So if you've listened to The Living List before, I one day just had this declaration that I decided I'm going to freeze my eggs. And the reason why is because I'm the oldest of three. So my parents don't have any grandkids and they honestly pester me for them all the time. And I moved back home to DC during quarantine. I'm not, I wasn't going out. I wasn't dating. 
that's two more years. This year I turned 35 and it's, it made me think like, okay, I always control, I'm big on control. I'm big on planning. I'm big on making sure that I have options, but why am I not thinking about this option here when it comes to freezing my egg and family planning and fertility? And I think in so many communities with women, it's just seen as this thing you don't talk about. And I was lucky enough to have someone who I respect, actually two people that I respect. Um, one person had gone through the IVF journey. So she was like, you know, you should freeze your eggs. And another one did not freeze her eggs. And she's like this amazing accomplished woman in her forties, unmarried and no kids. And she said, there's two things I wish I knew. One to freeze my eggs and the other is that I can use my IRA for buying a house, right? So I'm like, you know what? Like, let me give myself options. I think that when we're on this living list journey, that's why we're doing it, to experience life, to make sure anything we think about doing, we can do. And I didn't want the pressure of being forced, honestly, to have kids before I was ready. And I also think it alleviates some of the pain in dating, right? Like I'm not sitting here with the pressure, like, oh, he's not going to be my husband. I got to, I got to move on. Or hmm, does he want kids? You know, it just, when I talked to my doctor, my doctor was like, you know, you don't need to do this. He did the test. He was like, but what it will do is it'll relieve some of the pressure. And now that I've done it, that's exactly what it's done for me. I, I know that, you know, we've had these conversations before, but Ariel, like, what was your thought process behind freezing your eggs? I think um, for me, it was just kind of like realizing that I am getting older and just like really thinking about what I want my life to look like. Um, I think when we did the deathbed exercise, um, which was in season one, we talked about the things that would be most important to us when we would be like an 80 year old person. And you guys all know, I talk about it all the time. There was a point in my life where I was just working way too much. Work was too much of a priority when in all actuality, the things that I want are related to family and happiness and inspiration and things that don't have to do with like necessarily work. So when I decided to do it, I kind of was like, okay, um, what is that going to look like? Cause you're not going to rush. Like the worst thing I think you can do is rush into just like having a kid with somebody or rush into a relationship or end up with the wrong person. Ever since I was younger, I kind of was like, you know, the person you're with will definitely change the trajectory of your life for the good or for the bad. So I never looked at marriage as a like, oh, I mean, we could just figure it out, see if it works or whatever. Like I want it to be the right thing. And I think it's okay to wait. So with that, you know, there is a, a realistic biological clock that women have. And I never wanted to be in the position where I was just like in like a desperate state, like, or like a, like, a, like I got to date this person, date this person, date this, like so much pressure because even if you don't realize in the moment that you're making rash decisions, you'll end up making these rash decisions when you feel so much pressure, you think you have to get something done so quickly, you know? Um, so I was like, in order to take that pressure and relieve that pressure, I love to have a backup plan, you know? Like you can't, I can't control when a person is gonna come in my life. I can't control when, um, you know, I will get married. You know, that's not something I can control as an individual that takes two people. So I wanted to have a little bit of control over it by putting my, you know, aches to the side and being like, hey, you know, if it takes a couple more years, I can continue to live my life. I don't have to have this thing hanging over my head, you know? Um, and I think that 
it's very, it's a relief. I haven't done it yet, but just knowing that it's a possibility, I think it's already brought me a sigh of relief. Um, I think that it's something for everyone to think about, but we do acknowledge, and even when we talk to Dr. Cornelon, it's not something that's easy, right? It's not something that's like 100% super accessible to everyone, which is definitely unfortunate. Um, thankfully, Brittany and I, um, our jobs were able to, you know, cover it with insurance. You still had to pay money, right? Um, but for the most part, we, you know, we get some coverage. We get a lot of coverage. It's, it's about like 22K. And all in all, when I, I haven't gone through the process, Brittany has, um, I haven't been charged. I, I won't be charged any more than $3,000, which I think that's a great, a, that's not a too much of a large price for a, a security plan. For my family. I love that. And it makes sense. I think that something that you said that was super important was when it comes to, you know, making children and dating and marriage, there are two people. And I love the way you looked at it as a way to really just take control of your destiny, the part that you can control and not feeling the pressure. So, and you bring up a really good point too, that we are the lucky ones where we have this insurance benefit. You know, I've since gone to another job where that is not a benefit. You know, my previous jobs, that was not a benefit. And when I was taking um, my test, because when you go through the process, you pretty much, once you start the process, you have to go to the doctors every day for monitoring, blood tests, et cetera. And I had this nurse and she was a Caribbean woman and she was like, you tell all your friends that they need to freeze their eggs. It's covered by your job. You don't know how many people I see who come in here later because life has happened, whether it be the passing of time or illness or just their body is not able to produce or hold or carry children and they feel desperate. And the thing that we have on our side was time and opportunity and insurance coverage, honestly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something to think about too, because I'm gonna be honest, like I didn't tell my father at first because I felt like this just isn't something that people talk about, mm -hmm. especially women talk about with men. And when my father found out, because he's nosy and my mom and dad tell each other everything, they keep no secrets. <laughs> right, all the gossip, the gossip. Right, I mean, all they do is talking about me and my, my business. <laughs> but um, my dad was so happy. And then the first thing he asked after he finished like smiling and clapping was, Aww. well, is anything wrong? Yeah, it's ridiculous. He wants a baby by me so bad. Um, <laughs> is anything wrong? And I was like, no, actually, I'm very lucky in that nothing's wrong and I'm just being proactive. I was like, but one day something could go wrong and I would hate to have not had taken basically a free opportunity to control my future. And then it also made me think like how many people don't go and get like a full workup or a full checkout or go through all these different ways of fertility treatment, whether it's freezing your eggs, IVF, surrogacy, because of the taboo related to it. And that's why I really also wanted to talk about it. And, you know, I share my journey and I, I post about it because why are we punishing ourselves for science or 
the way our bodies are choosing to work. Do you know what I mean? Like it is mm-hmm. not an onus on a woman if she doesn't have kids or can't have kids or isn't ready to have kids. Like you're not broken. You know what I mean? Right. There's, there's all this technology to fix it. And I think about how many women probably didn't have the families that they wanted because they were afraid to talk about it. Absolutely. I think it should be something talked about like any, uh, you know, there should be compassion when we talk about it, right? Like if someone was talking about them having a a condition, um, if it would be like, you know, a, a mental condition or anything like that, or a physical condition, we wouldn't be like, oh, like that's too taboo to talk about. It's something that's real, like infertility. Um, when I was talking to Dr. Perlman in the office, when I first went in, he was just saying how it's like such a shame that infertility is not se- seen as a like actual thing that the insurance feels they need to cover. Like everyone should have the opportunity to have a family. And even if that family is not from them or, you know, you know, like adoption is it's so hard to get to be able to adopt a child you have to basically pay like 40k to adopt a child like all these things should be accessible the access to your own eggs you know like we do you know we insurance covers all types of treatments that may not even be good for our bodies pharmaceutical things that may not even be good for our bodies but women don't get the opportunity to actually family plan and and it's not covered so it's it's really sad that it's not accessible which is a whole nother thing Um, but it's also, um, it's very interesting that people, even if it is accessible, people are scared to talk about it out loud because it's like, oh, um, you know, like I'll be, I'll definitely be able to have a baby. Like, I don't think we should make those assumptions. Um, I've seen people that I follow on social media and and friends in my life have trouble having kids at 28 years old, you know, like it can happen at any age. And I think, just like we go to the OBGYN and we have checkups on our bodies to see, you know, get our pap smear and everything like that. A part of that process should check our fertility, you know, because if you, you don't want any surprises and there's a lot of things that you can prevent. I remember I was listening to Gabrielle's union's book. um, And she was talking about how she, um, she believes that if she was, um, diagnosed with the disease. I, I can't forget if she has endometriosis or something like that, but I know she was having like super strong period pains and having really bad issues with her, with her um, menstruation. And she believed that if she kind of was talked to at a younger age or there was proactive action taken with her, that she would not have to go through the surrogacy journey. Now, thankfully she had access and was able to get a surrogate, but why are we not talking about, you know, what is sustaining human life as a priority? So um, it's definitely interesting. I'm I'm happy to talk about it um, because it's something that we, there's no reason like we should struggle in silence with things like this, um, just women in general. So, yeah. So we have an expert coming in and I know that he was or is your doctor. Yes. So um, we welcome to the stage. Welcome to the Zoom. Welcome to the chat. Welcome to the room. Dr. P, Dr. Perlman. um, He is the one who is guiding and directing me through my fertility journey and helping me get get it together with freezing my eggs. So um, welcome, 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 Dr. P. Hey, Dr. P, can you hear us? I can hear you. How are you? Hey, doing well. How are you? I'm good. Look at you guys all done up. <laughs> you know, we spruce it up a bit. This is Brittany. She is my co-host, uh, Brittany, Dr. Perlman. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Dr. Perlman. Nice to meet you. 
So we're going to just jump right in. We're already recording. Um, this is going to be recorded. So we're going to, um, you know, of course, have this and we'll put it out. Uh, Brittany, Dr. P got on me because I didn't post immediately after I left the office. So he definitely is excited for us to post this stuff. So we'll definitely get this out there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes. So welcome to The Living List. The Living List is a podcast about doing all the things you've always wanted to do. Um, my co-host Brittany and I have been talking about this fertility journey and women, women's health in general, you know, like we're getting, we're at a certain age. I'm 32. Brittany's about to celebrate her 35th birthday. Um, and we're super excited about like growing because like we grow up we get more knowledge and things like that but also like reality set in you know like all right I'm 32 years old Brittany's almost 35 we're not in marriages and we want to have kids when we're married so we're like all right it's time to raise up these eggs so um we just want to kind of take some time out and talk to you the expert um Dr. Perlman is a uh, fertility doctor is that the correct title so the correct title is actually reproductive endocrinologist and infertility. So okay. some of us call us re- reproductive endocrinologists. Some of us call us REIs. Fertility is you know one of the main things we do. So a lot of us just refer to us as fertility doctors as well. Okay. So we already are learning. We're like two seconds in. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's great. Uh, can you, just to start out, um, can you tell us just a little bit about what that means and like what you, what your specialty is and what your practice is like what is your everyday um kind of practices that you do sure well, let me tell you first Brittany, 35 is a great year right today actually is my today's my 35th birthday so <clears throat> i am Happy celebrating it with you guys today wait today is today your this is where i Happy this birthday. is where i chose to be yay oh, that's exciting Happy Thank birthday. You. Um, so what do I do on a daily, on a daily, you know, on my daily day? It really depends. Um, you know, we are very fortunate right now that telehealth has picked up, you know, tremendously. And I think it's opening up the world, you know, for me to see patients, you know, throughout the world, throughout the country, um, patients at home, at work, you know, wherever at any time. And so, you know, on a Tuesday, like today, today is my telehealth day. So today I'm home, I'm seeing new patients. Um, I'm starting a conversation, introducing them into the fertility world. Um, you know, I'm a huge advocate for education. And so part of my, part I feel at my job is, is not only to, you know, make diagnosis, but to, to teach my patients what's going on in, in their life and their fraternity, in their uh, fertility journey. Um, so they can make the best choices for themselves. So Tuesday I'm home seeing patients, sometimes doing follow-ups. And then, you know, I get to see patients the rest of the week in the office. One day I'm in surgery. I, you know, part of, part of our job, you know, on top of making a diagnosis is sometimes fixing the problem, right? So if there's something inside the uterus that could prevent someone from getting pregnant, something wrong with the fallopian tubes, you know, I've done years and years of training um, to be able to help women. So I love to be able to, to do whatever I can, whether it's, you know, just giving them some medication or if it's, if it's a surgical option, doing that as well. Absolutely. So, um, Brett, <laughs> I was going to let you hop in with your first question. If you, if I know you had, we have tons of questions and I don't want to hog up. I've met Dr. Perlman. I'm already like, love Dr. Perlman. Don't want to hog up all the questions. So Brett, do we, what questions do we have for him? 
Yeah. Well, I'd like to like have a regular conversation, but since you did talk about, you know, how there's certain things that you treat, we talked about 35, how it's basically both of our birthday today. Um, <laughs> what are some things that people need to be aware of that we're just not aware of when it comes to fertility? Fertility has been this taboo topic for too long, right? We, you know, we don't talk with our families, you know, our, our friends, we don't talk about, you know, all we see is their, your friend or your, you know, family member being pregnant. And they don't tell you about that it took them seven months or three years of what they had to go, right? So we need to make that, we need to normalize, you know, this fertility talk to allow, you know, the conversation to, to come out. And, and that's what this is all about, right? We want to, we want to empower women and we want to educate women so they know and they feel more comfortable talking. Um, but I think the number one thing that we need to really think about it is, are the ovaries, right? The ovaries are, that's our bread and butter right there. And unfortunately, the normal physiology for, for women is that you're born with a, a finite amount of eggs. And as you start to get older, unfortunately, that number goes down and dwindles down. Um, and, you know, at the age of 35, you know, obviously you have much less numbers, much less eggs than you did when you were younger. And so we're, we're up against a clock and I think women feel that pressure and they think that, you know, they have, they, they are told or they hear that, you know, 35 is like this magic number that they're old after 35. You're, you're not old, right? There are many great things that we can do, but it definitely gets harder. And so as, as women you know, continue to, you know, do amazing things in the workforce and start focusing on themselves and not have to think about, you know, Mr. Right now instead of and thinking about Mr. Right, right? They're they're gonna get older. And so sometimes we we need to think earlier about, you know, how how these ovaries are gonna be at, at 37, at 38. I mean we talk about the idea of freezing your eggs at a younger age. Um, so you can think about yourself and not think about others. So the biggest thing that I that I want to always, you know, remind women is that their eggs are their egg number goes down. And on top of that, the genetics of their eggs or, you know, their eggs, how normal or abnormal they are increases as they get older. So you have like a two edged sword right there. You're, you have less numbers and you have more abnormal eggs. Um, so you know, we're, we're up against the wall when you get older. You know, there are great treatments that we have available, you know, for, for our older patients. Um, but if we have an opportunity to kind of capture those eggs at a younger age and we can do it, I'm, I'm all about going for it. I'm glad you mentioned that. So I've already gone through the egg freezing process. I have 22 eggs that are nice and stored somewhere in Washington, D.C., right? And um, when I was going through the process, there, you know, I had lots of questions and I had a doctor similar to you, which I guess is why I chose him. He, he wanted all the questions. He was really big on education. He wanted you to feel comfortable and he didn't judge. I think that one thing that I um, experienced in my early 30s when I was first considering freezing my eggs was people were like, but you're not sick. And I'm like, yeah, it's not about being sick. I understand that that's an option, right? But I also want it so that maybe I will get sick one day. Do we wait? Like, you know, maybe, you know, I, I've always heard the younger you are, the better it is for you. You know, like the healthier the eggs are, the less abnormal, as you said, the eggs may be, right? So I froze them at 34 and my doctor um, told me that 
he said that 35 is an old just like you did and he even said that we could wait another couple of years right but for some reason that did not go over well with me because I, i've always heard the younger you are the better what what do you suggest when is the right time to freeze your eggs so the right time is is the time for you right mm -hmm. and so there's not a there's not an age that i'm going to say is the optimal time right you know maybe one day you'll have as a college graduation your your family your parents whoever is with you you know purchases egg freezing for your college graduation right so we take that thought process out and you don't even have to think about it um but when i when i talk to patients i i tell them that you know you're you've come in to see me you've thought about making an appointment you've googled me you've looked up all my reviews you thought that i was you know appropriate to to come speak with so now is it now's the right time right because we never know what tomorrow is going to bring you know, I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, I'd probably, you know, be celebrating my birthday out, you know, out in the islands right now. Um, <laughs> but we, we don't know. So, you know, now, you know, the day that you come in to, to talk to me, I think that's the time that you do it because you've thought about it. You've, you know, you wanted to make sure, you know, a lot of women are just first coming in to say, oh, how are my, how are my eggs or my ovaries? Okay. And we have some great, you know, technology and great testing that we can get an idea of what we call your ovarian reserve or how many eggs you have left we can never know how good these eggs are right so there we can have hundreds and thousands of eggs but they can all be you know genetically abnormal and so there's no way of knowing that and so you know the day you come you know i never pressure my patients into doing you know one treatment or another right i want everyone to you know have their autonomy to to make the choices that's best for their family um but waiting is for me, you know, if you're coming, you're nervous, you're concerned about what the future might bring. And I'm concerned about that because your numbers can be perfect the day I see you, but tomorrow you might be in a major accident and we might lose one ovary. And so who knows what's, what tomorrow is going to bring. Exactly. Um, I, when you say nervous, I think that's a good thing to tell people because, um, I was nervous when I came to see you. Like I lost my keys. I couldn't get it together. Like I was like my first day thinking about being a mom and I'm a hot mess. <laughs> like maybe I'm not even ready to freeze my eggs. But I think um, us normalizing that it's like nervousness behind this because you don't know what to expect. Your mom doesn't come to you most of the time. So I've never had this conversation with my mom. I didn't even tell my mom yet because it's kind of like, why are you freezing your eggs? Are you okay? What's wrong with you? And we have to kind of like remove that stigma because we're just, we have the technology and we're just making a choice based on the technology that we have. Um, I even talked to this guy that I was dating. Um, he's a doctor and I told him that I wanted to freeze my eggs. And he was like, well, don't take them all. And I thought that was very like, to me, odd from a doctor. Like I, I'm not taking them all. I'm just taking a select few. Are there any like kind of, little fears or or misnomers that we can kind of demystify right now um in that regard sure so that's unfortunately a common misconception right and even in the medical world you know we become so subspecialized as we as we go forward um and as we do extra training and whatnot so every single month you know ariel and we, and we went through this you know every month you make a certain amount of eggs right so let's say you're making 20 eggs when you when you first start your your cycle um and one of those eggs is going to become what we call dominant and it will eventually ovulate right so when you have a regular cycle every month one one egg ovulates if it's not fertilized doesn't you don't become pregnant then you have your 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 bleed um and so 
those 20 eggs that you started with, those are what I'm going for, right? So you are going to make those eggs and those eggs are going to be lost regardless. So, you know, the rest of the eggs that, that are there at, during that cycle are the ones that we want to try to capture. And so you're not losing any additional eggs. We're not taking more eggs than, than what your body would have normally produced that month. So when you come in to see us for the first time, we are going to do what's called an antrophological count. We're going to look at the ovaries with a vaginal ultrasound. We're going to count together. We're going to, I'm going to show your ovaries. Um, we're going to count how many little follicles we see on, on each ovary. And from there, we get an idea of what, what we're looking at, what we're expecting, how many eggs we think we're going to get. Because that number, um, that antrophological count is what's going to you know, guide me to tell me what, you know, what I can expect, how I can, you know, how I can advise you. Um, to, you know, to figure out what's going to be, how many cycles we might need to, to make sure that we have enough eggs for your family planting, right? Because that's what's important. And we can touch on this later, but the, the amount of eggs that we get, you know, kind of influences what we think in the future, you know, if we need these eggs. And something that we, we always talk about is that we don't know if we're going to need these eggs, right? I'm hoping that we do this you know, we take this, you know, this fear or whatnot off of your, off of your plate. Let me worry about your fertility. Right. But in three years, when you find, you know, a, a partner or you decide that you want to use a donor, you know, you don't have to even use these eggs. You get pregnant, however you get pregnant, but they're there just in case. Mm -hmm. I love that. So it's like, it's a backup plan for us, um, which I think me and Brittany were both excited about. And some of our other friends, we have a group chat called the A Gang. And it's, our, it's our, a group of friends, our four girls, we recruited for them so far, hopefully more, um, that we're kind of just talking about this as our backup plan. Um, I love that you said- You want me to moderate that group chat? I'm happy yes, to do it. Yes, we have to have Dr. <laughs> P on the group chat. <laughs> um, so- it, it's it's interesting you so I love that you said that we're we're just using eggs that are gonna go away anyway so basically like they're gonna be thrown out right we're gonna menstruate they're gonna go away and then you're just like oh I'm gonna keep these real quick put them on the side and put them as backup plans so you're not losing anything at all I understand that better right. now in this moment maybe because I'm not nervous anymore oh that means I didn't explain it too too well before and I have to work on my <laughs> I have to work on my talk. Yeah. You did a phenomenal job. It was it was all me. I was like up in arms. Brittany, I text Brittany. Brittany's like, get it together, girl. <laughs> Brittany, I, I got a message. At, our appointment was at I think seven o'clock, seven thirty. I got a message at like seven twenty saying I'm jumping in the lift right now. I can't. My car's broken. Can't get there. And I'm like, you come whenever you can. We're waiting Aww. for you. I love the patience that people that work in this world have. Right. So when i had my experience they were like when do you want to do this and i'm like next week right and they're like hey so this could be a very stressful process there is no rush we're going to get it done we're going to get it done now um are you sure for me the process wasn't stressful at all because it was more of a hey, this is my backup plan and I wasn't trying to conceive, right? I, I think that there's probably a lot of pressure when you're trying to conceive or when, you know, you just don't know what's going on. I researched this since I was like 28, right? Like I knew what number follicle range I was supposed to have when he would ask. I'm probably the best and worst patient, right? Because I'm like a WebMD connoisseur. So I spew out a bunch of stuff. Some of it might be right and some of it might be wrong. When you get these tests, they, they tell you how many follicles you have or how many eggs they're gonna, they're probably going to uh, retrieve. 
are there numbers we should keep in mind that we're like, yes, this is right. This is safe. I'm going to be great. Or, oh, you know, I need to up up my, my whatever it is that makes me have more follicles or is there a process? Yeah. So, so there are these amazing calculators online that are all data driven. Um, you know, they, they're, they use, you know, studies that have been published, you know, so that we can understand the process. Um, and so we can put in the amount of eggs, you know, theoretically that we think we're going to get, we can put in, you know, the patient's age at the time um, that we redo the retrieval, or we, re we retrieve the eggs, and we can calculate the, the probability of, you know, having one child, having two child, having three childs based on the number of eggs we have. Um, and so I think that's, you know, we, we and I personally, once after I have the conversation, after everything is ready to go, before we start, I always bring my, my patients into the office, pull up the calculator online and go through it. We have these calculators online um, that break down, you know, based off a patient's age, how many, how many eggs we need and the probability of having the amount of children that we want based off of those, that egg count that we have. So for example, 30 at 33 years old, right? I'm just going to make up numbers, you know, potentially the, the calculator might say if we have 15 eggs at 33 years old, we have a 95% chance of having one child, maybe an 80% chance of having two children, and maybe a 60 or 50% chance of having three children. And so with that information, we can say, you know, you as the patient can say, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I want three children. I don't feel comfortable with only having a 60% chance of having, you know, that third child. I'm going to, I want to do another cycle, you know, where I can now have 30 eggs. And so my chances of having three children, if I ever need these eggs is now increased up to 70, 80%. So it gives us that information up front. So we know how to properly prepare. So we don't have those, you know, we can think, you know, and nothing of this is guaranteed, right? Unfortunately, you know, they're as great of our technology is, there's still things that we're learning every single day. And that's part of the reason why I love this field. Um, it's such like a new field evolving with, you know, every day is something changes. And so, you know, we are trying to get the highest chance and make and have the highest, you know, probability of, of meeting those goals. Um, and so that these calculators give us, you know, give us some of that resources. I love that you you talk about preparation, right? And I know there's preparation on the scientific side, but as an expert in the field, is there any preparation that a woman or a couple or a man can take physically, financially, emotionally when getting ready to really come in and talk to you about their family planning journey? Sure. So don't what I want to start with is, is the supplement world, right? We all read about supplements and check out my, check out my Instagram page one day. I just wrote a, a, a blog post about supplements and the good and the bad of supplements. Um, but unfortunately there's not a magical medication. There's a, not a magical, you know, vitamin that we can take. That's going to, you know, give us the, this great result that we're thinking, you know, the number one thing I can tell all my patients is, is being healthy, right? Well, well balanced diet, fruits and vegetables, exercising, all those things, you're taking care of yourself, you know, that's going to take care of your ovaries as well. We know that smoking, whether it's, you know, tobacco, um, or other drugs have negative effect on the ovaries. So, you know, general well being. I'm a huge, um, I'm a, I talk hugely about what are called endocrine disrupting chemicals. Um, so endocrine disrupting chemicals can be found in plastics, can be found in your makeups, um, your hair products, you know, babies, toys, 
Um, so trying to eliminate some of those things out of your life, you know, I think will help you generally, right? One of the big things that I do right off the bat, no more plastics. I got rid of all the plastics in my house, any food containers, any water bottles. Um, you know, I just, I think that, you know, it's, it's not going to make or break you, right? You're not going to, you're not going to be pregnant or not pregnant because you're drinking out of a, a plastic water bottle. Not what I'm saying, but I'm saying if we, if we think about ourselves and we take care of ourselves a little better, you know, maybe we, we might have that little better outcome. I love this. That was so much information um, all at once. Like, you know, um, unpacking it a little bit. When you talk about the preparation part, I know that um, you talked about health, right? And when I came into you, I was really shocked. Not shocked because I kind of saw it coming, <laughs> but a little shocked that like now just to kind of bring you guys in, um, of course, at the Living List, we always tell you guys kind of what's going on in our journey and we try to keep it as real as possible. Um, you know, I'm on this whole like weight loss thing. I'm supposed to be working out three times per week and I gained like 40 pounds over the summer. Not sure what happened there. I don't know if I was eating too much or the food was better. I don't know what happened. But anyway, I gained like, I, I did a yo-yo diet. So, but I say this to say that when I went into Dr. Perlman, he, um, he was the first thing he said and when he came in the room, he was like, I got to keep it real with you. Your BMI is too high and I want you to lose a bit, little bit of weight to go under anesthesia. And I think that, you know, I'm a thick curvy girl and I think I look good, but like there's real things that are happening here, right? Like I cannot go under anesthesia having such a high BMI. It's just not healthy. And I was appreciative for uh, Dr. P for saying like, hey, you know, you're right there. I think I was like 0.4 over the um, amount that I needed to be for anesthesia. So just keep that in mind. Um, I think you said you have to be below a 45 BMI, right? So every every office, every clinic is a little different. Um, you know, ultimately, as you said, like my, my job is to be honest with you, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come and I'm not gonna, sh sh you know, I'm not gonna shame you, no, right? No. But I'm also, I want you to be safe. And that's the, that's the ultimate goal is to have the best experience um, possible, but in the, as safe as possible as well. Yeah. And so the conversation sometimes is, is not the easiest conversation, right? That's not the first thing I want to come and talk to you about. But at the same time, you know, I need to be honest. I need to tell you what's up, right? And so we can get on the same page and we can work together and find, and as I said to you, right, I don't care if you're running a marathon. I don't care if you're, you know, at the gym, just do do something. Start with exercising. Start dancing. If you wanted to dance in the office with me, I, I love the salsa. We could you dance. You tell me that. I'm um, coming back for it. <laughs> whenever you're ready. Um, but yeah, I want you. I want you moving. Yeah. You know, I, I want the. I want you healthy. And that I think that's important for us to know. Like, say someone who who may be listening to this or watching this, um, if it's you're like I have a two year goal to get my eggs frozen. You can start now. You can start working out, getting healthy. Um, it's not about a supplement. I definitely took some vitamin D before I came. I was like, my vitamin D is probably low. Let me like boost it real quick. <laughs> um, but it's not about like boosting it real quick. Like you got to, you know, like prepare for the things that you want. And I also love that you talked about the grants. Um, you know, I, that was one of my questions are, cause me and Brittany are very fortunate that we have insurance that covered a lot of this, right? Um, just to throw it out there, it could be up to like $22,000 to get this process done. It's not accessible right now from where I sit, right? That a lot of people don't have an extra 22K to throw at this type of procedure, you know? But it should be something that's available to people because family planning should be available to everyone. Um, but that's not where we sit right now. So to Dr. P's point, don't get discouraged. There are grants and things 
that are out there. So I think that's um, really exciting to hear because I kind of was like, Dag, I wish, you know, everybody can get this can get this done because it should be everyone's right to have a family, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, some of the organizations that are out there are incredible. And, um, you know, a quick Google search can definitely help. You know, there, there are definitely organizations for, you know, veterans, for, like I said, fertility preservation, um, for cancer patients. Um, so there, there are a lot, of, a lot of great programs that, you know, help ease this burden because that's another, you know, it's another obstacle that it's unfortunate that we, we have to think about. Um, and I know, you know, us at, you know, in an office, we, we try to do everything possible, whether it's, you know, changing some of the medications, you know, to, to ones that are just as good, but maybe not the name brand um, to save, to save some money for the patients. You know, there are, there are multiple ways to skin the cat, right. As, as like the saying goes. And so there's multiple ways that, that we can do um, what we need to do to, to get to the ultimate goal. And sometimes, you know, we just, as a doctors, we need to think outside the box and we need to think, you know, what's the best interest of the patient. Um, and so we can, you know, save them a few dollars, you know, on one side of, you know, of, of this picture, because it's, it's not, it's not a cheap process, you know, and so until insurances step up to the, to the plate and start covering what they need to cover, um, then, then we as a doctors have to help. Do you think that the more people talk about fertility and family planning and the more, of course, you know, the people do the work to lobby and go to Washington and say, you know, this is, this should be a right of all patients. Do you think that insurance companies will start to increase the scope of their fertility coverage? Like, what will that take? Because when I went through the process, there weren't many young people in the waiting rooms and the waiting rooms were packed. Okay, it's like between 7.30 and 9 a.m. every morning, I'm going for blood work and ultrasounds and it's packed. Like you can't even, and it's during COVID packed. So, you know, there are a lot of people there, but not many were under 40, not many were of color. I think most of the time it was just me and my last day, there were two other people um, that were there. And even when it came to payment, when it was time for me to pay for my medicine, I paid somewhere between twelve dollars to $1,500, right? And that's with coverage. And part of that was because I still had a deductible, but I just kept thinking, wow, like I have to tell all my friends that had this benefit that we have to use it. Like yep. Ariel will tell you, I was on a crusade, go get your eggs frozen, like go do it, it's covered. Viacom covers it, let's do it. Like. Yep. Because what happens, I have a new job now and I'm about to be 35. So if I didn't do it then, that's $22,000 that I would pay to do something that really, I feel like everyone should have the right to do, you know, like what will it take to get insurance companies to be a little bit more inclusive when we talk about fertility as a medical benefit? So major, so there, there have been some great strides in some states. Right. Um, so there are some states that have mandates. Um, you know, I practice in New Jersey. And so in New Jersey, we are we are one of, you know, one of the better ones where we have, you know, mandates for companies. Um, so what that means is that depending on the size of your company, depending on the location of your, of your company, they have to offer some type of fertility benefit. Um, and the, one of the big issues that I still have with the insurance companies is that they don't classify infertility often as a medical 
you know, diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. So they're not, they're not classifying infertility in general as a, like a, as a disease process, right? And so since they, they don't think it's a problem, they're not going to help. And so, you know, for me, I think lobbying can only do so much, you know, the pol- you know, politicians do what they want to do, right? We have really no control over them as we, as we know, and as we see. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, the biggest thing that, that an individual can do is go to your company, go to your HR department, you know, come with, you know, a group of, of, you know, for like women together and say, this is what we want. You know, you want to keep us, you know, we are important to your company. If you want, you want us to stay, like, this is what we require. And some of these larger companies are, are getting that and are, you know, figuring that out. And so you, you look at, um, your social media companies or your, your big investment bank companies. And if they want to keep the best talent, they want to keep their workers happy. They're giving them, you know, these options now. And it's, that's where I think you can make the change. So I think it's, it's you in your individual company, you making that, you know, bringing a group of people, you know, one person is probably not going to make a change, but if you come, you know, as a group, hopefully your voice is going to get heard. And if you need someone to represent you and you need someone to write a doctor's note, I'm happy to do that. I love it. <laughs> We're going to hold you to it for our friends and our you other industries, you know? Hey, more, the more people that can get treated is the, the more things that I can do, the more people I can help. I love that. I absolutely love that. Group, there's, there's power in numbers, you know? So we, you go up there, you get, you get just like we have ERGs and, um, you know, what are they called? Employee resource groups. I love the idea of yep. forming a fertility employee resource group and, and getting the numbers together and going to talk to HR. Dr. P, spit in the pearls. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that was my last corny joke of the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, we still got time. <laughs> um, also, so another thing I wanted to know, are there... Um, is there something, a lot of times our fertility health is based on women. Are there things that couples should be doing together or things that you recommend for couples before they start to try? Um, and if, and how long is too long to be trying before you're like, there might be an issue here. Yeah. So, so men play a, a huge role, right? We need, <laughs> we need sperm in order to, don't, don't tell the, the guy that they think, you know, if you tell them that they're that important, their head gets too big. And, right. Don't worry. I got you, Dr. P. I will yeah. never make them feel too special. Exactly. <laughs> we got to, we got to tame them down keep them, keep them, uh, you know, at bay. Um, but realistically about probably about 30 to 40% of couples there, there is some type of male factor, right? That's, that's contributing to an infertility diagnosis. Um, so yes, male, you know, just as much as I want, you know, my, my female patients to be healthy and thinking about, you know, the food that they're putting in their body, the, you know, males are just as important. And so, you know, what they're putting in their body plays a role. You know, males are a little different because they are making new sperm every three months and they're going to be making sperm until, you know, they're 70 years old, right? We know that their sperm does get, you know, a little worse as they get older and there's something called advanced paternal age. Um, after the age of 45. So they're not out of the woods, um, but they'll always be producing, right? And, and women, we, we talked about that finite number, right? You, you start off with a certain amount of eggs when you're born. And then, you know, by 50, when, you know, the average age of, age of menopause, you have no more eggs left. Um, 
So, so what can men, the men do? They can be healthy. You know, they could, you know, not take testosterone, right? I know we all want to, you know, get big in the gym, but, you know, testosterone steroids has, you know, a terrible effect on sperm can actually make you not produce sperm. Um, so those are important things not to be putting in your body. Smoking, as we talked about in women, have a negative effect, also have a negative effect in men, um, whether that's tobacco or marijuana. You know, I, I like to talk about, you know, to guys about, you know, they, when they smoke marijuana, they just want to sit on the couch, you know, watch a TV, watch TV, play video games, their sperm want to do the same thing, right? So they just, their sperm just wants to stop swimming. So they're not going to, it's not going to swim to where it needs to be. So if you can think about that, you know, you know, you're smoking and what your sperm's going to do, hopefully that, you know, maybe reduce smoking while, you know, while trying to get pregnant. Um, and then timing, right? So we say, for, for women less than 40, so only thinking about women at this point, but women, sorry, less than 35, you know, one year of trying is considered infertility. So if you and your partner are trying for, for one year, you're less than 35. Um, that's the point that it's time to definitely talk to, talk to a reproductive endocrinologist um, to get a workup, see what's going on. Um, after the age of 35, it's six months. So if, you're, if you've been trying for six months, you're 37 years old, nothing's happening, then please give us a call. Um, realize that any part of the journey is, you know, you're, you're valid. It's valid to come talk to us, right? You don't need to wait that one year or that six month to say, Hey, I want to talk to someone. I want to see what's going on. I want to learn a bit, a little bit more about my, my own body. So I can, so I know how to, you know, properly time intercourse or, you know, why am I having irregular periods? Right. So, so all of those things, um, should come to come into your mind when you're thinking about talking to us and your general OBGYN is a great, great resource to start. But if you ever need extra help, that's, that's why we're there. Can you tell us what is like certified as trying, you know, like, is it having sex once a week? Is it like having sex once a month? What does an actual try look like? Sure. So, you know, we, or women have a very small, what's called fertile window. Okay. And, I always want my patients to track their periods, all right, so they know when their periods are because you can only get pregnant when the egg is out, when you ovulated, okay? And so trying, you know, if you're tracking your periods and you know, you know, you have an app on your phone that says you're going to ovulate now, you know, that's the time that you can get, that you can get pregnant. There are different other things that you can do. There are, you know, patients that use what are called LH predictor kits. Um, so it's a hormone that, um, that rises, that shows that you're about to ovulate. And it's a, it's a urine um, sample that you put on like a little stick, kind of like a pregnancy stick. Um, and when it, when you see that this, this hormone is rising in your urine, that tells you that you're about to ovulate. And that's when you should be having intercourse. Um, you can check your, your temperature. Um, so that a change in the temperature and increase in your, in your, what we call your basal body temperature can show signs that you're about to ovulate. Um, or you can, check your mucus, um, the, the vaginal mucus changes as you're getting closer to ovulation. Um, and so when you are about to ovulate, when you think you're going to ovulate, if you're doing this on your own, you want to have intercourse. That's, that's the time, right? And sperm can actually live inside the female reproductive tract for about five to seven days. All right. So we want you to have intercourse before we want that sperm waiting inside the fallopian tube for that egg to come. Okay. So the fertilization actually occurs inside the fallopian tube. And so once that egg pops out, comes into the fallopian tube, we want that sperm there because the egg can only live for about one day. So 
if you're having intercourse after you're already ovulated, you're too late, right? That sperm is not going to get there in time. And so you're going to miss that window. So it's important to time your, time your cycles, have an idea of when you're going to ovulate. The apps on, the, on our phones now are, are a great resource, but there's plenty of, um, plenty of products that you can buy on the market that can help with that prediction. Or you come into, you come into us, right? So part of what we're doing, right? We're, everything we do is not just in vitro fertilization or egg freezing. Part of what we do is, is you know, watching someone's cycle and helping to determine when the best time of intercourse so patients are always concerned. They're saying, oh, I'm going to see a reproductive endocrinologist and he's just going to want to tell me to do IVF. That, that's not the case. You know, it's, it's figuring out, you know, the best timing at first and seeing if that helps and going through like a little stepwise process, you know, with IVF being the last possible option um, for, for us to do if, every, if nothing else works before then. So what we like to do is we do blood tests um, to check your hormones in your body, similar to what, what your, your urine is going to show us. Um, but this is a little more exact. At the same time, we're doing ultrasounds. We're watching your, your eggs grow. We're watching what's called the follicles actually grow in your ovary. And once they get to a certain size, then we can you know, make the prediction that you're about to ovulate. And now you should be going home and having intercourse with your partner. And you usually get a text from the partner that night saying, thank you. <laughs> I love that. You're like in a, a real-time app. You're like, all right, go home and have sex this time. <laughs> there you go. Bert, did you have a question? Oh no! I was gonna, I was gonna pivot though. Oh, I wanted to get. We talked about earlier um, some of the. Um, you talked about certain like plastics and makeup and things like that that can affect our fertility. Can you talk a little bit more in depth? I know, like, I'm a makeup girl. I'm a cosmetic girl. I love my good sense. Can you talk a little bit more in depth about that? Sure. You know, there are in in all these products. Unfortunately, there are chemicals called parabens or phthalates um, that we that have been shown especially in animal studies not too much great data in humans so we always have to take a little bit with a grain of salt but understanding that these some of these chemicals that are that are there in all our cosmetics that are there in our perfumes and our colognes um, you know have negative effect in, in animals on their reproductive potential, whether it's, you know, decreasing their ovarian size or decreasing their chances of getting pregnant or making their litters smaller. Um, there are, there are animal, a lot of animal data, um, to look at that. And so there are great websites that, that I like to use to, to look at all my products, um, before, I, before I use them or if I'm, you know, recommending a product to a patient and, not to you know give you know not to promote one or the other, but one website that I like is called EWG, um, and so that that website you can specifically put in a, a product, um, type in the type of lotion that you're using. It's going to break down every chemical um, that in that lotion, and it's going to tell you is this lotion does this have high risk of being what's called an endocrine disrupting chemical, and <clears throat> potentially affecting your body. Um, is it a high risk of an allergen, right? Are you going to, is someone going to have a breakout from, from this? And so I try to, to use as many products as I can that have, you know, low amount of these chemicals um, to, to be safest, but also recognize that you can't make it, you can't, you know, go into your medicine cabinet, which is probably filled with, you know, products that you use every day and, and throw everything away at once, right? It's, it's making one change you know, one month, right? My, my first change that I made was deodorant, right? So, 
you know, deodorants that we use, whether they're high in scents or high in, um, you know, other types of chemicals, I, I change my deodorant. I used to be a huge dove, you know, deodorant lover and I smelled great. I just smelled fresh every day. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I was putting this unnecessary chemical on my body every single day and potentially affecting it, right? Negatively affecting it. And so I have a young daughter, right? I don't want to put something on, you know, on her that could potentially, you know, affect her fertility later in life. So I thought if I made the change for myself right now, then I can show her, you know, the options that she has. So when she's, when it's time for her to make a choice and what she wants to use, the products she wants to use, she can make an educated decision and I can be her, you know, her role model for that. Love that. I love that. It's so important. Um, one what we- one website that I like is the Dirty Dozen, um, and I think I now I gotta go on there and see if Dr. Bronis is on there. If Dr. Bronis is on there, a lot of people are gonna be hopeless. <laughs> it's it's so scary, right? Because there's you know. You, you see all these things, right? The summer sunscreens, right? Every, everyone was posting about sunscreens of the chemicals that are in there and cancer causing um, mm-hmm. products that, that, that could be in there. And, you know, we're so, you know, we, we rely on so many of these big companies to, to give us good products. And then when we, di- we dive in a little deeper, you know, it's, it's, it's scary, but that's not the point of what I'm trying to say. Like we all, everyone needs to just make the right choices for themselves and what's best for them. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, I think that, I think that we got a lot covered. I'm just, I'm just kind of looking at, and we, we edit this so we can kind of like, I'm just looking to make sure we have all of our <clears throat> questions that we wrote down, which I think we covered a lot. Um, so part of the living list, Dr. P is us every week. We write down all the things we always wanted to do. And we, um, each week we pick like one thing out. So I don't know if you're down for it. And we call it our, our, our I'm down challenges. But I'd love for you to write down some things that you've always wanted to do. And on my next visit, I want to come and pick out like something from your I'm down goal. And you do it. Love it. And it can be simple. Like it, it can be skydiving, but it can also be like learn to tap dance or, you know, play the drums in front of my family or go to the park with my daughter two times this week. Like there's, there's a gamut in what, you know, it's just about living. It's not about like proving anything. It's really taking advantage of the time that we have here because there is an end date, you know, (laughs) I think, you know, you know, of all that, you know, there's an end date, time does run out and, you know, it's just, you don't want to be like, oh, I worked so hard or I did all these things, but you didn't actually live. So that's the purpose behind it when you're thinking of things to put on your list. I love it. I'm on board. I will definitely make a, make a huge list, make sure (laughs) that, that it's approved and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> we can we can pick something out the next time we're together. It's all approved. It's what you want to do. Anything you want to do, silly things. I've had like uh, dance classes on there. I've had skydiving, kind of like whatever that comes to my mind. Everything's approved. It's all what you want to do. So you're down? Down. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much um, for joining us on this episode of The Living List. We absolutely love to have you. Um, you are a resource. We hope we can tap in again because I know our listeners will have tons of questions after this. For sure. Love, love seeing you guys. Uh, Brittany, love meeting you today. Thank you guys for having me. And any questions that you know you guys have, your listeners have, happy to happy to jump on. Happy to you know to talk 
Tell us your Instagram. You mentioned how you were <laughs> posting about certain things. Can you share your Instagram with us? Yeah, get ready. It's about to blow up. You know, I okay. have this great social media manager um, oh, who's yeah. on, who, she's on the line right now and, and oh. she's about to blow it up. Um, Can't wait to see. <laughs> it's, it's dr, so Dr. Dr. Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, Evan, E-V-A-N. So Dr. Barry Evan. I'm about to follow you right now, and I'm sure all of our listeners will too. Oh. Um, this, it was great to talk to you. And also, I would love to say this. I feel like when you go through a process like this, because I've actually gone through the process, you want somebody that is kind, but also informative, that is non-judgmental, that's warm, that you don't mind going into your vagina every day. <laughs> and like you have that, you have that persona. I think it's so important. Like you're interviewing your doctors. You're, sure. you're about to get super close to me. And I think it's so nice when you meet doctors with a bedside manner like yours, like my doctor. It it really makes the process a lot more comforting. Listen, we're we're all humans, right? And so, you know, this old persona that the doctor was the almighty, that that's out. I don't believe in that one bit. And like I said, I think, you know, patient autonomy is the number one thing. And and it's our it's our job as doctors to make sure you're comfortable. Um, because no one wants to see me, right? No one wants to admit that there's a fertility issue, right? I'm, I'm the first person that someone wants to be friends with to have that quick call with, but then coming to my office, every single person is nervous. Don't be nervous. I promise you, you know, we want to see you. We want to meet you and we want to help you. I love it. I, I do have more questions. So I'll be hitting you up on IG um, that I think like a lot of people could benefit from when it comes to the actual process and um, the injections. Right. Sure. That's the thing I was most nervous about, but we didn't have time today, but we could definitely do it another day. Like I'll definitely hit you up. Maybe I'll do an IG live. Uh, right. I, I have had a lot of people ask me about my process. So maybe we'll do that. You got it. We can, we can go through how to do an injection. We can show I can show you all the different medications that we use. Would love to, would love to jump on again. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Have a great day.